All right, welcome Journey Church. So glad to have a time of worship together. So good to be together in unity in the spirit, even if we can't be together physically. So what we're going to be doing today is we're going to be continuing our series called The Path of the Exile. And I'm going to go back and I'm going to look at 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 1 through 11, which we jumped over before. So we're going to go back and hit that. I know some people are like, man, Pastor Sean, will you just get done with this series? It's like you started some game of Jumanji, and it's not going to go away until this series is over because we're all exiled to our houses. No, I'm just kidding, but uh, it's been a lot of fun having this series. We're going to continue in it. We're going to dig into it. God has some great things that I believe he wants to deposit in us today if we have ears to hear. So let's pray for that. Let's ask for that right now. God, we just thank you that your word is going forth into homes all over the place right now as we are spread out and gathered in our homes and journey home church, house church. Lord, I just pray that your word goes forth into each one of our hearts. It produces fruit in our life that changes us forever. And we just declare that right now in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so what I'm going to be doing is I'm going to be looking at this passage of Scripture. I'm going to read through the whole thing. Then we're going to pull back and get some big thoughts as we dive into it. So here we go, 1 Peter chapter 4. Verse 1, it says, Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourself with the same way of thinking. For whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, so as to live the rest of the time in the flesh no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. For the time that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do, living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idolatry. With respect to this, they're surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery, and they malign you. But they will give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is why the gospel is preached even to those who are dead. That though judged in the flesh the way people are, they might live in the spirit the way God does. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks, as one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves, as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. In order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Now, that's a lot right there. So what I want to do is rather than go through and dissect that, we're just going to pull back and see the whole big idea, the big thought of this whole passage of Scripture. And as I was praying over this, this thought came to me in in regards to this. You can either serve yourself or you can serve God and others. The whole first part of that is just really talking about serving your desires, serving your passions. The whole last part of that is really talking about serving God, serving other people. So you can serve yourself or you can serve God and others. And so what I want to do in this time today is I want to look at some barriers that we run into when we try to move the needle from serving ourselves over to serving others. And then I also want to answer this question. And here's really a big question that a lot of us have right now. And it's this. How can we serve other people when we can't go near them? (laughs) Because we're all in our houses and and we're all in different places. And this whole season has been a challenge like that. So how can we serve other people even when we can't go near them? So we're going to answer that. 
But this whole idea of serving others and serving each other, it comes obviously straight out of Scripture. There's many places. 1 Corinthians talks about being the body of Christ, talks about how each of us are different parts of the body and how each part is necessary and how each part supplies something that another part needs. This is a picture of what it's like to serve one another. But we all know that sometimes the body doesn't work all together. There may be certain parts that are broken, certain parts that have decided to sit on the sideline and not contribute. And it reminds me of this, this uh, picture that I have when I think about this of my mower. I have a mower that I bought used, and this mower, uh, it was good for a while, but then I, it just started to fall apart. In fact, my dog started digging holes in the yard, and so I'm driving this mower as fast as I can. I kept hitting these holes. Uh, the wheels are now bald. The wheels are pointing out now. Uh, I'd be driving along and all of a sudden I'd hit one of those holes. The wheel would just fly off and I'd be like, oh my gosh, I'm in a hole that my dog dug uh, and this mower is falling apart. I was literally holding the mower together with duct tape and zip ties. I would drive it for about half the yard and mow it and then I'd have to zip tie and duct tape it back all together and it was just took twice as long. That's a picture of what it's like sometimes when, when, you're, when my mower's only working 50% of the time, it's a lot harder to get anything done. Sometimes the body of Christ is like that. Sometimes we can be like that, where only 50% of the body of Christ is actually even activated. And so we want to go beyond that. We want to push in from just serving ourselves to serving other people. 50% of us working is not healthy. And I believe that all of us really down deep, we want to have a desire to serve other people. But sometimes what the church is like, and, and, and since we can't gather together, I thought it'd be fun to poke a little fun at, at ourselves and what we are like sometimes. And we all have been here. Uh, it reminds me of this video I saw a couple years ago. Have some fun. Watch this. Imagine a church where every member is passionately, wholeheartedly, and recklessly calling the shots. I don't know who sets the worship center temperature, but why does it have to be so cold? Why do you have to be so right? Heated chairs are now being installed. This one wants a small church, but I'm afraid if it's too small, they're gonna make me volunteer like crazy. And I don't stack chairs, do I? Makes total sense. Join now and we'll let you decide the size of our church. We're millennials. And we want a church that... Say no more. Any requests you have will be granted immediately. Parking is horrible. It takes me almost six minutes to get from my car to the building. Ugh. It's going to take me six seconds to tell you a valet service is on the way. My pastor's preaching. It's all over the map. I say, oh, I don't know. Stick with the books of the Bible. We should be only exegetical. Okay. Next week, we start John chapter 1, verse 1, and we'll even start pronouncing that word the way you said it. Hey, I'd like this sermon to be no longer than 30 minutes. How does 15 minutes sound? Hey, anybody willing to go to 15 should be willing to go to 10. <laughs> you drive a hard bargain. But from now on, five-minute sermons it is. <laughs> now you're talking. Me, church, where it's all about you.
All right, that was so good. Good to have a laugh from time to time. So I I know we've all been there at some level, but I really believe that most of us want to move the needle on that. We want to go from serving ourselves, from being a me church type person to serving others. So how do we go about that? If there's any part of you right now that kind of senses that desire, I really need to move the needle somewhere, then I want you to picture something with me. Just kind of draw a line, imaginary line in the middle of your screen. And on one side, uh, just kind of paint a picture yourself. Be real honest. Put on that side of the screen, like, everything about where you really are. Like, where you are in your heart right now. Like, what what things are going through. Is there selfishness that's in your life, you know? Are, Are you serving yourself in certain areas that are ungodly? Put all of that. Just be real honest about where you really are. And then on the other side of that line, just paint this picture. Like, where do I want to be? What kind of person do I really need to be? What is Jesus like? What would Jesus be like? What would Jesus look at and want to see me become? So you kind of have these two different pictures uh, in your life, where you are and where you want to become and what you want to become. Let me just say it this way. The difference between where you are, it's going to be very simple, but from where you are and what you want to become is something called change. And most people say they want to change, but most people really don't want to change. Too many times we want to be different, but we don't really want to be different to become different. We don't want to have different ways of thinking. We don't want to have different attitudes towards people. We don't really want God to do the deep work in our heart. We don't want to live a rearranged life. We don't want to have our actions be different, but yet we, we really have some level of desire to be different, but From where you are to where you want to be, it's something called change. There's that quote, something to the effect of everyone wants to change the world, but no one thinks of changing themselves. The same is true here. And so we've got to think about where we we are, where we want to go. But if you do want to move from one place to the next, I want you to understand there's all kinds of barriers to doing that. There's, there's tons of them. I just want to hit a few of them today that God kind of directed me to that I believe might help some people out today. But to do that, I have to take you to one of my favorite spots this time of year. But if I take you there, you've got to promise me, don't, you're not going to tell anyone where it's at. So let's go there right now. All right, this might not mean a lot to you, but this little hillside right here is my mushroom spot. And I could tell you where it is, but I can't tell you where it is. And so a few years ago, I discovered this. I was out searching for mushrooms and I discovered this spot, this little hillside where they seem to grow. I checked everywhere else. They weren't weren't growing anywhere else. And so I came back every year and I knew if there's gonna be any mushrooms in this whole area, it's gonna be right here. And so sure enough, every year, very consistently. But something happened last year that, that concerned me. As I started to walk one day outside of this area, I noticed a mushroom in a spot where there had never been mushrooms. And I was like, oh my gosh, have I been missing mushrooms every single year? And I started scouring through this whole area and I discovered there were mushrooms everywhere. And sadly, I found some that were so huge, but they were already dead and I missed them all. What was going on there? I had locked myself into one way of thinking. This is one of the barriers that happens when we come up against, when we try to serve other people or really try to move forward in God in any area of our life. If we try to change, 
this is one of the barriers. It's our past way of thinking. It's our past. It's a pattern of thinking that we come into. First Peter chapter four, verse one and two says this. We already read it, but let's look at it again. It says, since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with what? The same way of thinking. In other words, we've got to exchange our pattern of thinking for God's pattern of thinking. For whoever suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. So as to live for the rest of the time, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. These are patterns of thinking that become barriers in our life. I read an article a few years ago and it was talking about, they, they interviewed four different people. They interviewed a millionaire, a guy who made $250,000, and a guy who made $53,000, and a guy who made $7 an hour, uh, plus tips back in the day. And they asked them a series of questions like, how happy are you? Do you have a budget? Um, when do you want to retire? What does that look like? All sorts of, of questions like that. But they asked them this question. They asked them, how much money do you want to have or do you need to have to live the life that you really want? And the millionaire said, well, I want $25 million to live the life I want. The $250,000 guy said he basically wanted a million dollars to live the life that he wanted. The $53,000 guy said that he wanted $250,000 to live the life he wanted. And the $7 an hour guy said that he wanted basically $60,000 a year to live the life that he wanted. I thought, how revealing is that? Like each person's circumstance or past pattern of thinking produced a certain result. That's what happens in our life. Our past patterns of thinking start producing a certain result, and this becomes a barrier to serving and loving other people. And if you look at your future and all you see is your past, then you know you've already limited the way that you need to grow in God. So what do we do? Well, the Bible says we have to renew our mind to these things. We have to understand our identity in Christ. That's a whole other message, but we have to first identify if we have wrong patterns of thinking. The second barrier I want to hit on today is something that might step on some of our toes, and it's this. It's our personality. Yeah, sometimes our personality or personality types can actually become a barrier to serving and loving others. Let me start off by saying I'm the first one that would say I've greatly benefited by all these tools that have been given to us. The disc test, the Enneagram test, all of those things that come along with the Enneagram, the Strength Finders, the Myers-Briggs, all of those have been fascinating to me. They've helped me understand other people. They've even helped me understand myself better. They gave me language to things that I didn't have language to before. Uh, they actually, I would say this way, I'd say it this strong. They have given me godly love and empathy for people that I didn't have before just by helping to understand. I mean, we're all different, uh, but there are certain uh, ways that we're alike and certain certain people. Some people are extroverts. Some people are introverts. Some people are whole to part thinkers. Some people are part to whole. So giving me an understanding really actually helped me love other people. But I can also say this, and I've seen this throughout many years, that a lot of times we can end up being tempted to use our personality type as a, really as an excuse for bad behavior, as an excuse to not be loving, as an excuse. And we just say, well, that's just who I am. That's just my personality. That's just the, uh, that's just how I grew up. That's just my heritage. That's just my hair color. That's just my, uh, my parents were this way and we, or whatever it is. And we end up using it as a mask. Now, what these tools are for and what these, these ideas are for are not to put us in a box, 
to limit the way that we are. They're really to reveal what box we're already in and to move us to health. And I would just say it this way, if it doesn't look like Jesus, it has to go. If in our attitudes, our heart towards other people, if it doesn't look like Jesus, it has to go or we have to grow. Let's look again at this scripture in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 7 and 8. It says, the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded. No matter what personality we have, no matter what upbringing we have, no matter what any of those things, we can be self-controlled. And it says, be sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. When we're in Christ, no matter what, we have this supernatural fruit of the Spirit that plugs in to how God designed us even in the natural and that allows us to love other people. We have to submit everything that we are to Jesus if we want to grow from just serving ourselves to serving God and serving others. The third thing I'd say is this, it's really our purpose. This, per If we have a misaligned purpose, it can actually become a barrier to serving other people. So. This one's really simple. If we forget that our lives are not uh, put on this planet just for ourselves, but we're to love our neighbor, to love God, all of those things that Jesus was the ultimate servant. Uh, if we forget that, then we will stay stuck living a low level of life that's just me centered. And we want to grow beyond that. So how do we do that though? I talked about it at the very beginning. How do we serve other people when we can't go near them? Let's take a look. All right, so how do we do this? How do we serve other people when we can't even get near them? Let me share with you four things that I believe God showed me this week, just practical things that we can do even right where we are, even as we can't really draw near to other people, things that we can do to serve others during this time. Number one, they're, some of them are gonna sound simple, but they are very, very powerful. Number one is simply this, pray. Prayer seems like a lost art these days. I mean, the, the times when people would go and fervently pray before God for one another. I mean, I, I, I want to believe that we still do that. And I, I know that there are a lot of people who still do. But for a lot of us, if we're honest, we've grown complacent in this area in our life. We may say a short prayer for somebody or a thought. We always throw that out. I'm, my thoughts and my prayers are with you. But I'm talking about really praying for people for the long haul, digging in deep and going into our prayer closet and really going to battle for people in our life. And that's one of the ways that we can serve them. George Mueller was a missionary and a reformer in the 1800s. And he tells a story of, of prayer and persistent prayer in his journal. And God laid it on his heart uh, in November 1844 to begin to pray for five people, just five people in his life that God brought to his mind that they would get saved. And so he had a list of five people. And so he began to pray every single day for these five people. And a month went by and nothing happened. No change in their heart. Two months went by, no change in their heart. But he continued to pray for these five people every single day. And finally, after 18 months, the first one of the five surrendered their heart to Jesus Christ. And he was so excited and he celebrated that, but he continued to pray for the other four. Day after day, it didn't matter whether he was sick or healthy or whether he was excited or, or not or whether he was tired or whatever it was, no matter how busy he was, he continued to pray for the remaining four. And after five years, the second of the five 
finally gave their lives to Christ. Day after day, he celebrated and he continued to pray for the other three. Day after day, he began to pray. Month after month, he began to pray. And he continued to pray until the six years passed and he, the, finally the third of the five was converted. And day after day, he thanked God for that and he continued to pray. But the other two remained lost. 36 years later, he wrote that the other two were still not converted. But, but one, of the, one of Mueller's friends uh, w- was still not converted. And, and so he began to pray and he began to pray and continue to pray. And he says, but I hope in God. I pray on and I look for the answer. He says, they're not converted yet, but they will be. In 1897, 52 years after he began to pray daily without interruption for these two men, they were finally saved and surrendered their heart to Jesus Christ. But only after George Mueller had passed away, he continued to pray even till the day that he died. He understood something when, that Luke said when he wrote this, that Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. There are people in our life right now that we could literally serve from a distance simply by praying. But I'm not talking about just just a prayer that's in passing or a thought that doesn't mean anything. I'm talking about a George Mueller type prayer where God directed him to pray for other people. You can do that right now where you're at. You can do that over the next few weeks. You can ask God to give you some people to pray for. And that's what he did. So pray. Number one is pray. The second thing I, I believe we can do to serve others during this time is listen. And yes, I'm talking about listening and being an available ear when people need to share something or need to cast their care out there or for a prayer request. I'm talking about that, certainly. But what I'm really talking about and what God really laid on my heart during this time is listening to the Holy Spirit very specifically what we should share for other people what we should send to other people, how we should encourage some other person in our life. This is not a time for generic platitudes. This is a time for right now words. Let me say that again. This is not a time for generic platitudes. This is a time for right now words for people. I believe that as we listen to the Holy Spirit, God is going to give us right now words exactly when people need it, and it's a way we can serve other people. I do this all the time, even with my kids. One day I was just praying and and walking into the house, and God laid it on my heart very specifically to give a very specific encouragement to one of my kids in a specific area. I didn't know they were struggling in it. I just heard the voice of the Holy Spirit, and I spoke out that encouragement, and they came back, and they revealed to me, they said, Dad, I was struggling with that, and I was wrestling with that all day long, and just hoping and just asking God that he would send some sort of encouragement to me, and I had been listening to the Holy Spirit, and at the right time, the right word at the right place, you never know what kind of difference you can make in somebody's life as we listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Number three, We've got to give grace to other people. Yes, this is a way that we can serve other people. We're in a time right now, just very practically, that a lot of our communication is down to texts. It's down to emails. It's down to to posts on Facebook or wherever your social media is. Uh, it's, It's down to where we can't see the body language all the time of people we're communicating with. Everybody's not going to be at the same place you are maturity-wise, and and everybody's not going to be at that place that you maybe think they should be during this time. Maybe they're frustrated. 
Maybe they're panicked. Maybe they're in fear. Maybe they're not, uh, they're not uh, doing what you think they should do in this time. Maybe you misread a text. One of the ways we can serve and love one another is simply to give grace to one another. Very practically, assume the best in each other, in, in the other people around you right now, in your family, in your friends, in your church, your coworkers. We can give grace to one another. It's a very practical way we can serve. And then finally, let me say this. This may sound out of the box, but I believe it's absolutely important when it comes to serving God and other people. And it's this, number four, grow in your calling. You say, well, how do, what does that mean? Listen, you have a very unique opportunity right here. You have this awesome opportunity where you have, a lot of you, you have time and you have space and you have distance from other things. Distractions are put on hold. That things are put to the side. And, and you have this moment where it seems like you're hidden away from the rest of the world. Can I just tell you that it's in the hidden times that God does most of his work in our lives? It's in those preparation times. God is giving a lot of people right now a season of hidden time of preparation. I mean, we could go through scripture. We could see that Jesus went into a hidden time. Moses went into a hidden time. Joseph went into a hidden time. David went into a hidden time. Don't waste this moment. God is strategically giving windows of opportunity for many of you right now that some of you are gonna be tempted just to squander it away just by binge watching or by trying to keep yourself busy. Use this time to serve other people by growing deep in your calling. Let me close up with this. What do you think the most important day of your life is? I mean, you can think about the day, you know, you got married. You could think about the day you were born. You could think about your kids, you know, birthdays, your wedding. What's the most important day of your life? I would make the case that the most important day of your life is the last day. Because on the last day, you will see the totality of all the other days. You will see what you spent your life on. You'll see what you gave it to. You'll see the difference that you made. You'll see the progress that you made. You'll see the growth in God. And to, so many of us, we could use this time right now to start building for the last day. And on the last day of our life, I guarantee that each and every person will be thinking about how did I give my life away? How did I give my life to God? And how did I give my life to other people? It's really gonna be the only thing that matters. It's gonna be the only thing, it's not gonna matter how much money we made, it's not gonna matter any of those things. It's gonna matter what did we do with the time we were given and how did we serve and love other people. Live for the last day. At the end of the, our lives, we wanna be used up, we wanna be spent. The Apostle Paul says, God, I wanna spend and be spent for the gospel. And on our last day, we're going to want to be fully used up for God's purposes. Let me just close up with this. Some of you guys may be watching this and, and you're hearing all of these things. And you, if you're honest, you're really not following Jesus right now. If you're honest, maybe there's some fear and panic that's come into your heart during this season. If you're honest, you, you may have even had thoughts like, well, if God is a loving God, why is he putting all of this on people? Can I just tell you God's not doing that? Can I just tell you that no matter what you've done, God is not mad at you. In fact, God loves you so much that he sent his son Jesus to die on a cross to, to pay the price on that cross for every sin you and I have ever committed and ever will commit. And he has already predecided to forgive us of those sins. And when Jesus died on the cross, he laid down his life for you and I. 
He did something you and I could never do. He lived a perfect, sinless life. And he took our sin upon himself. And in that moment, when he died on the cross, he said, it is finished. And he rose from the dead and he offers us life today. He offers us a way to the Father, a way to God. And if you're watching this today, I just wanna invite you into this relationship with Jesus, that Jesus loves you more than you know, that there is peace that God can give that passes all earthly understanding. And I just wanna encourage you, if you haven't surrendered your life to Jesus, you can even do that right now, right there where you're at. In fact, I'm gonna pray for you and you can just pray along in your heart and you can just give your life to Jesus right now. It simply is just a prayer that we pray. It's acknowledging what God is doing in our heart, but it's just the start of this journey with God. And let me help you if that's where you're at. So we're all gonna pray. God, we thank you so much for dying on the cross for us. Your word says that you were the ultimate servant, that you laid your life down. The greater love has no one than this, than he laid down his life for his friends, and that's what you did for us. We thank you for that. We believe that you died on the cross and that you took our sins. We receive your grace into our life, and we believe it washes away all of our sins so that our past is no longer a factor. We have brand new spiritual DNA when we surrender our life to you, and we thank you for that. We confess that you're now Lord of our life, and we surrender all, and we walk in this new life by faith. God, I pray for every single person out there that might be praying that prayer, maybe even for the first time, that you would give them a revelation by the power of the Holy Spirit that they are brand new on the inside. Your word says that the old is gone, the new has come. They are a brand new creation. God, we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you guys for joining us this week. Stay connected with us online. We're on Facebook, YouTube, our website, journeykc.com. Uh, we we are, are disappointed that we can't be together, but I want you to know until we can be together again, our church, your pastors, your ministry leaders, we are praying for you guys. We love you all, and we'll see you next time.